You gotta hear this one song. It'll change your life, I swear. Hello. Hello. I'm Kristen. And I'm Bella. And welcome to the FemCell Filmcast. Today we're going to talk about the film Francis Ha, which is directed by Noah Baumbach and co-written with Greta Gerwig. Yeah, we're going to go through the plot and the production history, talk a little bit about Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, and then start discussing the themes of the movie, like young adulthood, weirdly close female friendships, and mm. our 20s. But before we begin, we have a special guest today by the name of Lila Peck. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm Lila. I am a second year here at UCLA studying theater. And I write for Femme Entertainment. Read my new articles, dropping one about bottoms soon. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'm very much obsessed with Francis Ha. So I love to hear it. I'm really glad you wanted to do this with us. We've been talking about doing, like episodes with friends for a while where we just talk to them about their favorite movie just also to shake it up you know shake it up from the season and then also how me Lila and Kristen all met together was through Femme News Mag um, and we were all entertainment writers yeah yeah what media have you been consuming lately Lila I've been consuming a lot of the band Sammy Ray and the Friends deeply obsessed have it on loop highly highly recommend and also the artist Yeba oh my gosh my big a lot of a lot of music in my life lately that's what I'm listening to my sisters love Yeba (laughs) so good so good what have I been consuming? Or Kristen, did you did you pre-remember? <laughs> pre-remember? Um, I went to a little film festival on Sunday for like New Filmmakers LA. Whoa. Yeah, it was cool. It was their like documentary festival. And so I watched this documentary called Unseen, which is so cool. It's about like this man, Pedro. He's like an undocumented immigrant, but he also is blind. And so it was kind of just about like the intersectionality of his life and also just, yeah, how he goes about his day to day and his journey through academia, which is super cool. And then I watched this other documentary called Home is a Hotel about San Francisco's housing crisis and... That was amazing, so, yeah. That's interesting. I started watching, okay, well, my roommate started watching Jury Duty for the first time, and I've just sat down with her to watch it together, because I'm also just, like, enjoy media being, like, a communal thing. Like, I love getting together and watching. Um, But on my second time watching it, it's a lot more, like, how did he not know this was fake? (laughs) Like, I feel like the people in it who are hired actors are like so clearly hired actors. But I don't know if that's just because of seeing it already and like the repetition of it, but like, I don't know. I Um, mean, I guess like the whole thing is like, what do you do when you realize that everyone's a hired actor? Like, even if you did realize it, you're just sitting there. Like, (laughs) are you allowed to raise your hand? Be like, uh, (laughs) am I in a Truman show, you know? (laughs) Yeah, like. Yeah, (laughs) I would not be able to do that. I, like, watched a couple of interviews after the fact, and he said he, like, really, like, it really fucked him up, honestly. (gasps) No. Like, he's fine. I think he's fine. Like, he's a happy guy. But he did say, like, afterwards he would always feel like, wait, is this a real situation or are these, like, hired actors? Like, it was, like, the same. He, like, couldn't. It was, like, such a weird 
mix of reality and perception and he was like totally fooled by it so i think now he's like kind of gets scared of that again oh my gosh which is sad i want to smoke with him and tell him that nothing's real <laughs> and that i'm a figment of his imagination <laughs> you're trying to just break his spirit break his spirit <laughs> once and for all <laughs> so that sounds so evil no i liked it i liked it um and i think other than that Hmm. Yeah, me and my friends have been doing, like, we've been trying to keep up with it, like, sending a song, like, what's our song of the day mm. into our group chat, and I'm trying to think of what my song of the day would be today. What was it yesterday? Yesterday, it was a Big Thief song from mm. one I like of... Big Thief a lot. I love Big Thief. And okay, it was just, Depression Day. <laughs> it always is. Oh, let me look at my day list today. Do you guys do day lists? Sometimes I do. I just love the adjectives it picks. Yeah, yeah. me too. I, mine's cold, warm Monday evening right now. What which the fuck Guys, why mean? therapy when you can Spotify? Yeah, literally. <laughs> Tell me why. Save Come the money. Now. Save the money. <laughs> Mm, I don't like mine. Tender cottage core Monday evening. No, oh, no, no, that's not that's not me. Mine that's is not you're not um, lo-fi focus small town crunchy indie chill. Whoa, <laughs> so you many. got way more words. I love an indie chill. I love <laughs> such a specific vibe. <laughs> like we need to add more. I love an indie chill. I know they're like. We need to pin this girl down. Like, <laughs> Give me my brand, Spotify. <laughs> brand <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like that kind of goes, you know, do we have any other media we want to talk about? No, I'm just still thinking about like Lila's Daylist title. <laughs> I'm thinking about it too. Let's, uh, on that note, I think we should get into, you know, the plot of Frances Ha. So basically we have Francis, who is played by Greta Gerwig, Sophie, who is played by Mickey Sumner, Lev, who is played by Adam Driver, Woo. and honestly, <laughs> shout out yeah, every time, um, and Benji, who is played by Michael Zegan. Zegan. But yeah, so the movie starts with Francis, uh, who we figure out is a 27-year-old dancer living in New York with her best friend from college, Sophie. And they kind of spend the first part of the movie like kind of just playing together being around. Cute. Being lovely. cute. Being <laughs> cute and lovely and honestly very sapphic. Like yeah. I remember the first time I watched it and I was like, is this going to be a romance? But well, there's like the little bed moment. And there it is, is a little a bed. It's very intimate. It's an intimate friendship. It's for an sure. intimate <laughs> friendship. But yeah, so they, they get drunk together. Frances breaks up with her boyfriend. They smoke cigs in their apartment through the windows. And it, yeah, it's a, a shot of them like looking out the window and smoking. And smoking. It's so lovely. <laughs> and they're talking about, there's also another one where they're just kind of like, you know, sharing space together. And she's like sitting on the couch. And Frances turns to Sophie and is like, listen to this thing that I just read in this like news like New like Yorker like, type yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then Sophie's sitting there like knitting and I'm like this is so female friendship like oh. this is like <laughs> I eat it up but then unfortunately <laughs> Sophie ends up telling her that she is going to relocate from Brooklyn to Tribeca breaking the news on kind of like a subway they were going from I don't know where they were going from a bar back home probably and she's you know she just t- tells Frances she's leaving at the end of their lease, and she's moving in with another friend into something she is considering her dream neighborhood. Um, Frances, who is like clearly not very responding well to this, she is unable to afford Brooklyn and a Brooklyn apartment alone. So then she is forced to find somewhere else 
to live. And her job right now, she she wants to be a dancer and she is a dancer, but she's currently working as an apprentice at a dance company. And so trying to find some place to live, she ends up moving into Chinatown and sharing an appointment with her friends who she met, whom she met through Sophie, um, Lev and Benji, um, for kind of a brief period. And she kind of during their her time there, she hears from like Lev is bringing in Adam Driver is bringing in some hookup. She ends up breaking this news to um, Francis that that Sophie now has a boyfriend. Which is so, there's a lot of times I feel like throughout the movie where, like, now Francis is learning things about Sophie just, like, through the grapevine. Yeah. And I'm like, why isn't she, like, they spent, they're clearly best friends. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, also, we'll uh, we'll to help it. visualize some of this, I just wanted to say that Adam Driver is wearing a really stupid hat. <laughs> I just thought that was really important. He wears, like, a fedora, I When think. he's not wearing a motorcycle helmet. Where True. he's not wearing a motorcycle helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Dream man. Dream or man. when he's clothed at all. <laughs> <laughs> fedora does not come off during sex. Fedora stays <laughs> on. <laughs> and you know what, Adam Driver, you kind of ate that shit up. You were giving millennial hippie, and I cannot be mad at you for <laughs> playing what you needed to play. But, yeah, so kind of there the the relationship kind of continues to just become more estranged Sophie's boyfriend Sophie and her boyfriend Pat end up just like growing closer Francis learns that the dance company does not need her to work their Christmas show which she had been like kind of depending on to continue paying for the apartment that she's in and so she can no longer afford it also, kind of during this time, there uh, Sophie comes to visit her kind of briefly at the apartment, and she just says it looks... I can't even remember what she said. She said it looks like... A rich kid apartment. Rich kid She's apartment. Like, this yeah. is a rich kid apartment. This is yeah. a rich kid apartment. Is that an Ames chair? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so... Yeah. Um, and so since she no longer can afford the apartment, she ends up visiting her hometown with Sacramento. Sacramento for for Christmas where she sees her family and then reconnects with some high school friends and then kind of coming back into New York she ends up staying with Rachel who's another fellow dancer in the company um, and during a dinner with Rachel's family she discovers that Sophie has actually quit her job at like the publishing house she was working at and is moving to Tokyo with Patch. I wouldn't um, even like Patch. Like, bro, yo. <laughs> yo. I was like, yo, Patch. Yo, Patch. <laughs> yo, apparently he wears, like, a pre-distressed baseball hat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yo, Patchy. A vile detail. There was a one vile line where, Greta, where Francis is like, Patch's the sort of guy that buys a black leather couch and says, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she says it's like, upside down in she hand does. Like, she does. She, she comes go- for him. She, uh, she goes crazy. She comes for him, yeah. And then also... This is the point now where she's at this dinner and she's learning about Sophie leaving her for, you know, kind of an undisclosed period of time. And she kind of has this monologue where she's talking to, she's just like, can I have, may I have this moment, please? I think it's one of the most gorgeous moments of that film. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's so awesome. And I remember the first time watching it and just feeling like. I'm just so engrossed in this character now. Mm -hmm. And I like can't deny that. Mm -hmm. Like I really like, I'm just like. And I get it. And she's talking about something that's very beautiful about, like, you know, finding kind of what it feels like to find your person and wanting that feeling, obviously, in a relationship. And so then kind of spurred, you know, by this, I don't know, kind of climatic, 
climatic, climactic? climactic event. She decides to spend a couple of days in Paris, which are rather kind of uneventful, I guess. But she pays for all of this on her credit card, and she returns <laughs> to ends up returning to her alma mater, Vassar, where she works as a waitress and a summer RA. Which I'm just like, I would hate to come back to UCLA and just be at like twenty seven. <laughs> she 27. seems so like unfazed by it too. That's what I love. She's like. You know, I only graduated here a few years ago. Like, it's not that weird, right? Like, it's not that weird. She's wearing, like, an Ask Me t-shirt, like, at a little stand. Like, oh, my God. Oh, that's so awesome. She's so, like, I feel like the whole... We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there, um, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, yeah, so she, you know, is kind of, like, constantly working, and she isn't allowed to take any classes there. And so she kind of preoccupies a lot of her time reading Sophie's blog, her travel blog, which she now has about her life in Tokyo. And it seems like it's very perfect and awesome. And then one night, Sophie and Patch have come back in town, and they are at this alumni auction where Frances is now waitressing. Nightmare. Nightmare. I would never wish on my worst enemy. <laughs> she then learns that they are engaged and ends up seeing them get into kind of like a drunken fight there. And she ends up letting a drunk Sophie stay with her in, you know, her dorm room, her RA dorm, <laughs> where then Sophie reveals that she had suffered a miscarriage while in Japan and is now very unhappy in her relationship, which totally kind of like contradicts what Frances was getting from her travel blog. She has a line about that where she's like, Frances, like, your blog looks so great, though. And she's like, well, my mom wouldn't read it if it was about depression. <laughs> and Frances is like, my mom would read it if it was about depression. Aww, <laughs> they didn't even have Substack yet. <laughs> They just had travel blogs. Um, But yeah, so then Sophie ends up kind of leaving in the morning to go back to New York City. And she leaves a note for Francis that's honestly kind of just like not a great note. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm like, boo, boo, thumbs down. And then sometime later, Francis returns to Washington Heights in Manhattan. She's kind of wandering around. She's starting to kind of like, think about her very dire financial situation, her position as a professional dancer now in this company, which she has since been kind of like fired from. I don't know like if that was the, I kind of just like put off to laid the off. side, laid like, off. Not like fully, yeah. but like. Yeah. And now her like increasingly strained relationship with Sophie. She eventually does reconcile with Sophie and she ends up, being able to choreograph a dance for, I don't exactly what sure if it was a specific event, because I keep thinking Christmas show, but I'm like, it wasn't for the Christmas show. It was just like this dance that she had choreographed. And she's still teaching dance to young children, and she's now a bookkeeper for her former dance company. And yeah, she ends up renting her own apartment, and then as she's moving in, she starts to write her name down onto a slip of paper or, you know, in order to mark her new na- mailbox. And since her full name does not fit, she folds the paper to read Francis Ha. Yay. And it. that's our Love movie. It. And that's our movie. So let's just get into some of our general thoughts. Lila would love to know when was the first time you watched this movie. Yeah, I watched this movie for the first time, like, I guess two or three years ago. I was on my gap year. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely, I was living with one of my best friends in the entire world. And we had just met that year. And we really have, like, a very much Francis 
not Francis Sophie. She's not a Sophie. She's, She's Sophie. far better than Sophie. <laughs> but um, just kind of one of those like really wonderful female friendships that feels like a rom com, you yeah. know? And it feels like you knit and you like do your jumping jacks together and you're anxious together and like mm-hmm. you just really are speaking the same language. Like someone told us once that like we really finish each other's sentences <laughs> and like it's weird that we speak the same exact way, you know? And we had just met like pretty relatively recently. It wasn't yeah. like a childhood friend. So yeah, I saw this movie like in the midst of that and also in the midst of a gap year like between high school and college. Mm-hmm. So. I feel like the themes of this movie really, really struck me. Yeah. And the tone and, like, the cinematography, just so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think one of the things I love most about it, it's so small but so grand. Like, everything is so, because they don't, you know, they're not trying to make it huge. It just reads so well. Like, yeah. Like, it really pulls on your heartstrings in such a magical way. <laughs> it does. Um, and, yeah, I think I think it's, like, super specific while also being super timeless. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of feels like a fable to me. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's just because I've seen it so many times and no, I love it, I but it, like, yeah. feels like storybook character sort of epic, mythic thing, but it's super real, even though it's so, like, stylized and timeless. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you take a gap year during, was that during quarantine? It was, I guess, like, towards the, like, it was 2021, mm-hmm. like, the fall. No, let me think. I graduated in 2021, so it was okay. like that following fall. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's like a beautiful time to watch the movie. No, like, it yeah, was, like, it set really up was. perfectly it for really, you. It really, really was. Yeah. Um, Kristen, what about you? Um, I think I also watched it during high school at some point with my mom. I don't remember the exact like time it was, but I remember liking it. I don't know. <laughs> it's also blurry. <laughs> but yeah, I was rewatching it this week and I enjoyed it a lot more I don't know if it's just because I relate to to like Greta Gerwig or like Frances Ha a lot more and just like wondering what the hell I'm gonna do with my life and all of that but but yeah I liked it a lot more I think when I was younger I was like what what's the point sometimes it doesn't need to be a point sometimes it needs to be a movie that like expressly tells you kind of what like that it's okay to be I don't know, in a in a midpoint in your life mm-hmm. and like not exactly totally. grounded. So it's also like so much about laughing at your mistakes. Like I feel like <laughs> Francis does that constantly and I feel like that's so the energy that I have myself, whether I like it or not. Yeah. And it's just like you know, you're screwing up and you're laughing about it because that's just what we do. <laughs> I really like how she enters and then exits situations, specifically yes. with people. <laughs> um, but it does feel like there's something very like loose about her that like I wanted okay so the first time that I watched it was like last my sophomore year no my junior year of college and it was in my university apartment and I just put it on I'd already watched Lady Bird and loved it didn't really love Little Woman at the time (laughs) that she did I liked the one before that but I really loved Lady Bird and connected to it a lot and I feel like Frances Ha is kind of pulling on those same feelings of like being in a period of transition in your life and being unsure of like what it's going to be and like why you're even there in the first place and yeah I I kind of just related it I don't know if I really related to it at the time but it was just like very beautiful to see about because there is I mean to me there's kind of a bit of a grief in it because I don't think I've ever experienced having a friend that closely I think it's really hard to find that kind of intimacy with people and so but it was you know every other like part of her life in that movie was very relatable and that monologue just really was just like oh my god I was so I love when movies just make me actually feel something like that where I'm like I need to like pause this and like (laughs) like yeah 
And but the whole yeah. build up to that monologue too, like that whole scene. Yeah. Just, they do such a good job getting yes, you there. They do. And it's so, and it's interesting too in that scene, cause she's having dinner with, you know, with um, Rachel's family and then they're all having very like manufactured kind of within social norm conversation. And she's trying to like, be in that too but so obviously can't because it's like not for her and at the end of the day it's not fun to do but they are like at the same time very enthralled by her which you can (laughs) see going throughout like the dinner and then as she's like they're all sitting down and drinking and she starts you know kind of telling them this uh, uh, this feeling that she's having. But she's like an anthropological study. For that. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, literally. Oh, tell us more about this like bohemian life. <laughs> 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 this no rent life. <laughs> literally. Yeah, I do love how like the room goes silent as the monologue goes mm-hmm. on. And yeah. it's less like, I don't know, it's less like them looking at her like a zoo animal and more them almost being like jealous of like yeah. this. Yeah. This, dream she has yeah yeah I think the movie also made me really uncomfortable when I was younger because I thought that we would all grow out of our awkwardness and there would be no <laughs> awkward 20 year olds and when I saw this movie I was like fuck fuck me this is gonna be forever um, but like there's oh also something very charming and like yeah and Greta obviously so yeah. someone th- th- I think one of the reasons I love this movie so much is someone told me once they were like one of my good friends she was like there's a tragedy to you Lila that's so romantic I'm like <laughs> I think that like you know Francis and I share that like we share that like bad happy bad luck woman you know like <laughs> what do they mean oh by God. that I like it though like I it's like something it. endearing about like yeah. you know your luck isn't great and that's so, so charming that's so funny that is so funny um yeah, so I think we can kind of get into some production history and a bit more of the director background. I know you, Kristen, you kind of went through Noah Baumbach's <laughs> It Looks Like His Full. Yes, I, <laughs> I got sucked on the freaking yeah. rabbit hole. Because um, I was curious. I thought he only made, like, three films for some reason, and I was just like... I'm glad he did well with his divorce movies. Good for this guy. Uh, but it turns out he's done a lot more than that. Um, let me figure out what his childhood was, just to give you like a very quick blurb of like, what this guy is. Let me um, figure out what his childhood was. Well, I could just launch into his career. We don't come out of the womb like writing about divorce. You have to learn about divorce. Like. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was born in 1969. Old head, kidding. Um, in Brooklyn, New York. 69. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Summer of 69. Mm. And his father was an author of experimental fiction and the co-founder of the publishing house. Fiction Collective, and then his mother um, was lit and awesome. Oh, sorry. His, his mom was a film critic for The Village Voice. Sprinkle um, of Nebo, just a sprinkle. <laughs> it really is like a sprinkle. It's like how could you, how could he not turn out esoteric with like, that as the the family tree? Like. As his in his <laughs> genetic and his ancestral tree. Yeah. I'm sure they like played records for him and like I don't know put on French New Wave movies while he was in the womb. They got divorced <laughs> so he could be famous. No, <laughs> like this, this for you. This is this for is you. This will be a great movie one day. <laughs> It'll be three great movies actually. <laughs> great movie. Oh, literally. But I was looking at his movies, and it, it, there's like a lot of similar themes as things go on. So in 1995, his debut movie is Kicking and Screaming. The film depicts a group of college graduates who refuse to move on with their lives, each in their own peculiar way. 
already beginning to like sound a little bit familiar with like <laughs> Francis Ha, um, mm-hmm. especially with the with the whole RA plot. But interestingly enough, this is a fun fact. But um, Jason Blum of Blumhouse Productions, uh, which we talked about in an mm. earlier episode, he was Noah Baumbach's roommate at Vassar. Random. Yeah, it's such a strange collab. It's like. I don't even know if you can call that like a Nepo baby thing, but maybe everyone who goes to Vassar is a Nepo baby. Mm. So that was, yeah. But um, Jason Blum produces this first movie and then it gets like decent reviews. Like it's not critically acclaimed or anything, but everyone's impressed that, you know, he put out a movie. (laughs) (laughs) And then in 1997, he releases Mr. Jealousy. This one's also fun. It's a film about a young writer who gets like so jealous about his girlfriend and her ex that he sneaks into a group therapy session with the boy <laughs> with the ex-boyfriend and like tries to like figure out what their past relationship was like. Wow, um, just well. <laughs> yeah, he's always been a little bit of a freakazoid <laughs> with women. Uh, and then 2004, he helps like co-write The Life Aquatic with Love. Wes Anderson or The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, but written with Wes Anderson. Then in 2005, he has his kind of like breakout movie, which is The Squid and the Whale. This is a semi-autobiographical story of his parents' divorce in 1986. (laughs) So it's like, it's really autobiographical. Um, And this becomes like quite a big hit. Everyone is praising the writing of it. So now he's kind of gaining more notoriety in the community and also a lot more money. 2007, there's another movie called Margot at the Wedding. And then he helps co-write The Fantastic Mr. Fox. I love that movie. Love that movie. Um, in 2010, he directs and releases Greenberg, which is a story co-written with his wife at the time, Jennifer Jason Leigh. But this is also where he meets Greta Gerwig. There's got to be more divorce. There has got to be more. <laughs> more divorce. <laughs> yeah. That's how good movies are made. <laughs> so Hollywood is built on the voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. Um, yeah. But yeah, and in the in the midst, this is when they start to also write the story of Francis Ha. Yeah. Because yeah. he had met her and was like, "I want to write a movie about her." What an enchanting lady. What an enchanting. <laughs> Misses. Yeah. <laughs> so this is just hella messy. I don't know what exactly happened on the set of Greenberg. Sparks <laughs> are flying in all directions. Yeah, in this movie that his, his ex-wife wrote, he beats Greta Gerwig, who stars in it, and then they begin collaborating. But before Francis Hawk comes out, in 2012, <laughs> he co-writes Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. You gotta have a big budget in there somewhere. <laughs> like, you really gotta get the money somewhere. It's Madagascar 3. <laughs> like, <laughs> there had to be something. <laughs> I love that one. That is a good, that's it's the Afro Circus. Yeah, yes, it is. That was Noah Baumbach's writing. Literally. He invented Afro Circus. It's crazy because he's so sad. Every time I see his face. Like, it's just, like, there's that one, like, thing. There was a recent photo of, like, Greta and Noah, like, sitting together at a basketball game. And she's, like, hi, like, smiling. And he's, like, like full, just, like, the weight of the world is just on his face. He's seriously thinking. I feel like he wouldn't like a basketball game. I just Probably. That's probably why he looked like that. He was just not enjoying it. No. Yeah, too unscripted. Like, <laughs> too unscripted. <laughs> no, literally. Who recommended him also to help co-write Madagascar Three? Were they just like, oh, I know a guy. <laughs> oh, I know a guy. Watch these divorce movies. Aren't they perfect? Yes. And then finally, Francis Ha comes out. He co-writes this with Greta Gerwig. Since then, he has released a film called While We Were Young, 
followed by, in 2015, Mistress America, which is also co-written with Greta Gerwig. And mm. does that star Greta Gerwig? I yes. think it does, yeah. It does. Okay, yeah. he has found a muse. Uh, <laughs> he releases the Meyerowitz stories. 2019, he releases Marriage Story. Oh my god, uh, heartstrings, heartstrings. Oscar Darling. <laughs> <laughs> and also that famous scene with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, where they're yelling at <laughs> each other. I wish you were dead. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> yes. That was crazy. I, yeah. I kind of thought that movie ate more than Squid and the Whale, so I, I'm glad I he made another divorce movie. That movie uh, was so good. <laughs> when he gets to try again. Which is not what like the marriage was like. <laughs> that would be interesting to like watch them both and be like, how are these different stories? That's true. Yeah. Not that I have that in me, because they're both <laughs> so taxing. Yeah. In a theoretical universe, <laughs> in which I could, could do that. Squid and the Whale is like also just really awkward. Like it's yeah. really in the same way that we were talking about the dinner yeah. party scene and how they like milk the awkwardness. Yeah. They really do that in Squid and the Whale too. And mm. it's just like every scene you're like, no, don't do that, don't no. do that, please. <laughs> it's cringe. Oh it's god. Cringe. No, I was rereading the plot summary <laughs> for that movie yesterday and I was like, oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> I think I tried like to the little brother, it. like oh yeah, when he like sings Hey Jude. Oh, wait, no, not uh. that wasn't it. He sings a Pink Floyd song, I think. It's like I invented this. Yeah, and he's like, I yeah, this is my song. Um <laughs> anyway. That was embarrassing. Um, and then 2002, oh, 2022, he directs White Noise, flopulous movie on <laughs> Netflix. It's like his only movie, his directed feature, that was not based on an original story of his own. And it's like, I think, more of like a absurdist, satirical book. I hated White Noise. I didn't watch it. It was not good. <laughs> yeah, it looked kind of bad and then 2023 i did not know that he had co-written barbie but he co-writes barbie with greta gerwig and that is his career yeah <laughs> and more to come and more to come more divorces to come <laughs> damn when they get divorced it's about to be a crazy time in hollywood. <laughs> hollywood is gonna go crazy hollywood is gonna go real crazy but yeah so i i was also, just some more information behind the scenes. So they started. They decided to collaborate again upon the 2010 film Greenberg. She actually did not anticipate starring in the film, but Baumbach was like, no, you're going to do it. And she was like, okay. And they shot in locations like New York City, Sacramento, Paris, and then also where the college was in... Um, West Coasters cannot. West <laughs> Coasters <laughs> cannot. <laughs> but this is Bombog's alma mater. Alma mater. Um, they're also kind of it's shot in a style of of quote unquote French New Wave, which both like Greta Gerwig and Noah talk about like kind of in interviews when talking about it. They're like we're inspired by the French New Wave. Like okay, <laughs> but and they also borrowed tools of student filmmakers, which I thought was really interesting. They kind of use this consumer grade f f photographic camera that can record like high definition video, and so using this very small camera and then also just extremely limited lighting lighting equipment, they kind of just like guerrilla style run around all these silly little towns and cities. And then coming to like kind of finding the concept here, Noah had said that he had a general idea of doing something that was in New York and something that was black and white and something that was with Greta. <laughs> so he had a vision, he had a plan. Um, he had a Woody specific. Allen movie. He had no, literally. He <laughs> was like, Annie Hall, yes, please. And he offered it to Greta for her to like write it with her. And he had told her it was going to be very stripped down, bare bones. And she had said in 
part to that. I think part of it was like, you're cheap, right? Like she had <laughs> felt a little bit, she had felt flattered, but then not so much. And she was also very intimidated about kind of writing a, a script with, you know, someone who had been writing in film for a while, who I think at this point already won an Academy Award or had nom- been nominated for one. And so she had sent him this list that she had been kind of sitting on composed of ideas for characters and scenes, what she had titled Three Pages of Stuff, <laughs> and then had... <laughs> I love her. I love her. She's so real. Um, and then she sends it to Bombach, and he's like, this, this is great. And then he starts adding his own ideas, and then gradually the document kind of just grows into, into the script. And I like to, like, it's funny for me to think that this is all happening over Google Docs, because that's very unserious. But, <laughs> and also they wanted initially, which makes sense, and it makes sense, but initially they did want it to be a romantic relationship between Sophie and Francis, mm-hmm. but then kind of turned away from that when really the kind of the heart of the film is, is a love letter to to New York and to kind of like being young and trying to find your life there. And it just kind of didn't make sense to like put, like maybe it would just be more derivative if there was a romance actually on top of it. But yeah, and then just French New, what is French New Wave? Um, Anything that's New Wave, it just means that they are like kind of rejecting transitional forms of filmmaking um, and they're in favor of experimentation, personal expression. So French New Wave was kind of this movement in the 1950s where kind of directors were giving getting more creative control over their work um and favoring more improv storytelling instead of like strict narratives um and then techniques at this time included fragmented discontinuous editing and kind of just very long takes which allowed actors to explore a scene and it definitely like it's Definitely, like, in Francis Hall, there's so many, like, kind of these long conversations and where, like, the dinner scene is so uncomfortable and you're forced to sit in it because we literally, it's just, like, that's the take. Like, that's the shot. Yeah, I also want to add that, like, some of the the, the scenes feeling really long, <laughs> like, the, the actors' conversations seeming kind of... Um, exhausted uh is also because they did an average of 35 takes yeah. per yeah. which is wild i didn't think i didn't think noah Baumbach was that guy <laughs> no <laughs> um, yeah um, but i um i read this article called emotional Pratt falls by amy taubin and she says that like the repetition kind of wore the actors down to the point where they were too exhausted mm-hmm. to, do, to do what they thought of as acting and so Baumbach ended up selecting like the last the last ones of the 35 shots that almost every sense. time. That totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. She, I, I'd been like watching interviews with Greta specifically, uh, well, them together, and then also her just talking about filming with him and how he did so many takes, and she felt like there was then a point where like you had to feel like you were in, like it was just going to, you were in the the yeah. scene, that, that that was just going to be the experience. Um, and she also talks about how hard it was to film the scene where she where Sophie's visiting her apartment that she has with Benji and Lev, and she's kind of, like, kind of just walking around, and it's like, oh, let me get two whiskeys, and she does a handstand, and it's like, that is so, it looks, comes off very, like, blasé, but was actually such a, like, hard scene for her to get. Super specific, yeah. But we do want to, I would love, Lila, to know why did you pick this as your favorite film of all time, and why did you want to talk with us today about it? I think that, 
oh, I just love this film so much. <laughs> I'm trying to like pinpoint why. I think definitely, like I said before, like really the way it talks about female friendship. Mm. Like there was something really beautiful. There was an article that talked about how like the tectonics plates shift a little bit when mm. that you and that friend are not in the same wave anymore. Like yeah. when there's something that happens. And I feel like this movie captures that really well. And just, I think honestly, the first sequence, like the first montage of them in the apartment smoking and playing games and like the, the scene especially with Frances like knocks over the game when she loses like there's this childlike yeah. joy between them and that whole montage to me is just really what my greatest female friendships feel like mm-hmm. and it speaks to me so much and there's that component and then the component of like like growing up like adult she's like I'm not a real person yet you know <laughs> and I feel like right now I'm like I'm a real person but like I'm also not a real person yet like yeah I love that and I love the way that this film kind of brings in not like depression but like these darker sort of like more nihilistic concepts with this like sincere optimism and something mm. about them presenting the like grittiness of her not having money and mm-hmm. stuff like that and just like not getting the job like presenting all these things that are like aggressively shitty yeah um makes it feel more optimistic to me and not like candy coated and i just i love that and it it makes me sad and happy in all the right ways yeah. and it has all of it i don't know that's like the basis of it for sure yeah that's beautiful she does like end up just like she really just manages like the whole movie like I don't know how it all just comes together and it seems like she's stumbling into it but not really because you know she's really smart and that she reads a lot she reads more than Sophie she's such a she's such a like underrated smart cookie like she's like going to France and she's like I'm gonna read Proust and they're like that's really long and she's like oh well you know I should probably learn French first and then get French (laughs) and I think also another thing this movie has that I whenever I rewatch it I notice these new things Mm -hmm. I think my second watch I was like wait the f- way they follow the addresses, like the mm-hmm. way that they're tracking, like where she's living, I feel like is also a huge part of that. Like, am I am I an adult yet? Like, when people ask you, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like when people are like, where are you from? It's like, okay, well, do I say like where I was born and raised? Do I say where I live now? Mm-hmm. You know, and then once we leave college, like, is it where I'm currently living? Yeah. You know, and like, where is? It's not just the concept of home, but like in terms of like identity and like yeah. address, um, like where you're coming from right now, like where. Ha- how are you getting to me from whatever other place yeah. you were at? Yeah, and she's so, like, she's in her Washington Heights. Like, you know, yeah. each location has this new texture for her. Yeah. And I love that. And it's so interesting. And yeah. it's so true. Like, I really feel that myself. That's great. And then, I don't know if we brought this up already, but you did do a article about Francis Hall for Femme, right? Not published, but oh. I did draft one. Okay, because it I, was never released. Unreleased. <laughs> I did not know this. I did not know this. Yeah. Can we get it? I remember reading it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah. It was very awesome. It was just like... Or I guess I think you sent in like the bare bones of it and I had read it over. Yes. Um, but yes. yeah, continue. Yeah, so I wrote about it because last May um, was kind of like the 10-year anniversary. Yeah. And I wanted to write about like 10 years later... What do we still see? What do we not still see? And yeah. I'm like, I just feel like it's so timeless. Like, yeah. And I think also one of the things this film has, like, yes, okay, she uses a phone. Yes, she flies on an airplane. Like, she's <laughs> using technology and engaging in the world with, like, a very specific time frame. When French New Wave uses iPhone. Yes, <laughs> French New Wave meets iPhone airplane. <laughs> Love it. But, like, it just feels so, like I said, like, mythic and, like, mm. larger than that. And I don't know, maybe it's because of the cinematography or because it's black and white 
which it's so funny. Like I, I watched it whenever you watched it this weekend, mm-hmm. I showed it to a friend and he was like, wait, this isn't black and white. Like he like, he processed that. Yeah. He didn't care, but he just mentioned it. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like I didn't even think about <laughs> yeah. it. Like it literally is, yeah. but it just was such a non, a non thing. Like, I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, so I wrote about it for Femme more in the context of like, what do we learn from her? What do we not learn mm-hmm. from her? The things we can't learn, one, how to choose a best friend. Sorry, we'll get to Sophie. Honestly, I have so much to say. Yeah. How to spend your finances, how to travel well. Queen does not travel well. <laughs> um, how to find a job, how to flirt. Okay, when she, when, oh, when Adam Driver touches her arm in the bedroom, <laughs> like I rewatch this scene every time. <laughs> Like that is like yeah, like, exactly. Like don't let him touch you. No. No. And then and then of course the the rest of the movie is him being like, can I show you my room to like other women? And you're like, thank God she did not sleep with him. She did not sleep. Actually, do we think that she did sleep with him? Just I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think she really like. Whatever about it. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, um, we don't learn how to make tea. She does, she burns mm, herself on the tea. I hate yeah. that. She's like, bring back the kettle. Yeah. <laughs> it was our kettle. We bought it together. <laughs> um, and then things we can learn is how to enjoy life, how to embrace our awkwardness mm. and thus our humanity, mm. how to trust the process. Um, yeah, those are the big ones. And then maybe how to choose roommates. That's like yeah. on both of them. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it for both. For both, yeah. She has... She, but, okay, so let's talk about Sophie because Please. she is really – I felt like the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, she's just maybe not written that well and mm-hmm. just, like, she doesn't really serve that much for the plot other than kind of setting up this catalyst for for Francis to kind of just, like, explore New York and other people. But also just, like, no, she actually is just, like, a shitty friend also. Yeah. Like, she's just, like, how does – like, how does Francis not know – how is she hearing about all this news through the grapevine? I said that earlier, but I think like on the one hand, it's like I was I was speaking to a bunch of my friends about this and like hearing their reactions. Yeah. And one of my friends was like, "She's just a product of like the world and the system, and Francis doesn't abide by that world and that system." Mm. But like, is Sophie wrong for buying into it and for like having a job that yeah. pays her well, for like having a boyfriend that she like sometimes likes, sometimes doesn't like, yeah. you know, that she puts up with? Like, she just really kind of follows the form yeah which to me is something that I'm not obsessed with like yeah. I don't know I love people it, that like are more you know choosing for themselves than it, it does make it, it reminds me of the scene where they're getting they're out, they're going to a bar together um <laughs> Francis mm. and her mm-hmm. with and Sophie and her boyfriend and she kind of basically drags Sophie into the uh, bathroom bedroom bathroom (laughs) with her and it's like why like you don't love him like she was like and then Sophie was like well no like I do like you don't get it and she's like you're you know don't talk to me like I'm your I forgot what she said three hour brunch friend yeah three hour (laughs) brunch friend I held your hair back like don't treat me like your three hour brunch friend like in true and like honestly I think I felt like maybe the first time I mean because she's being so abrasive and you know being so combative but it is true because she is like I know you and I'm like thinking about like my friends and like how they would feel about me kind of just like coming like knowing that I'm doing something that isn't exactly like me and like I don't know I think that also totally plays into like when you have those really intimate friendships yeah there is a sense of responsibility there. Yeah. You know, not in the way like dating might be or whatever, yeah. but there's like a responsibility for each other and for kind of keeping track. Like, honestly, yeah, like making sure the other one's doing well and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And so Sophie kind of, Francis feels this responsibility yeah. for Sophie and Sophie's like, it's none of your business. Yeah. Like, it's not your problem. And it's like, well, if you have this relationship in the way that you do, yeah. 
you got to let them in, yeah. you know? And I think that, but it was interesting when my friend was like, she is just kind of a, a she's a 20, she's a different model of a 27 year yeah. old. And she's living by the system that Francis isn't living by. Yeah. So I don't know if she, I don't know if we can forgive her for that. Yeah. But it also is interesting. Another thing is that, you know, in that scene where she's in Francis's dorm room and she talks about how she's depressed and she talks about how she was felt competitive with Francis. Yeah. Francis is like, what do you mean? Mm. And she just so doesn't even have that framework at all, yeah. it seems. And yeah. she's just totally oblivious to that. So you kind of have to, like, almost pity Sophie a little bit. Yeah. I really have very little sympathy for her. <laughs> but you're meant to. Like, you're meant to have some sympathy for her. It, it does feel like she doesn't get a great ending. Like, I feel Francis yeah. gets a good ending. And there's there's kind of the, you know, she choreographs that beautiful dance. Which I also, what I was when I was watching interviews with her she was saying how when she was talking about to the choreographer about like how she wants the dance to look she's like I wanted to make it look like it's a mistake yeah. and she does put that she says that in the script about something like oh I like things that look like mistakes yeah so then after but then after the dance and she's she's looking over at Sophie and they kind of make this eye contact and you know are smiling at each other but I don't necessarily I feel happy for Francis but I'm like looking at Sophie and I'm like Girl, you're with this. Like, you're with a man named Patch. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it does feel weird because yeah. it feels like it makes me so happy to see Francis in that moment, like get that eye contact, yeah. and that love that she wants. Yeah. But it also makes me so sad that, like, I don't know. There wasn't an apology. No, like, there was yeah. not a conversation. Yeah. So maybe in like Francis Ha too, there yeah. will be like a Sophie reckoning. No, literally. No, I'll write it, write it up. Sophie reckoning. Or you know what's gonna happen? Patch and Sophie are gonna get divorced. Oh, most definitely. Almost oh, de- That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> that's what's gonna. That's happen. what's gonna happen. I only had like one other thought, just about like I was thinking more about like the relationship <coughs> between Sophie and Francis, and like how the first, I guess, like five minutes of the film just feels so idealistic mm-hmm. and like perfection and I'm just like after experiencing all of that like how could like I'm, I'm not fully sure if Sophie had the same view of their yeah. friendship or yeah. was experiencing that same idealized mm. montage because if you are spending that much time together and it's so beautiful and it's got this beautiful montage music yeah like, beautiful montage <laughs> music the French new wave music but <laughs> they're a little run- they're fake fighting oh my god <laughs> yeah it's fighting. like how could it how could you have done that much together and been so in sync and then like yeah I feel like I felt like maybe the beginning of the movie was definitely seeing through Greta's eyes I Mm -hmm. guess because I don't know if it was like reciprocated to that extent but maybe that's also just because like I'm queer and I'm like be in a relationship Mm, they love each other well they say that they're like we're like lesbian women that don't have sex yeah (laughs) Yeah, they they do say that (laughs) in the beginning of the movie um, she's talking to Francis is like talking to this man that she's like at his home and she's like and he wants her to live with her and she was like I can't like I have my friend yeah. and then kind of immediately following that Sophie's like well I'm leaving you and going to live with this other friend but not even for Pat and for friends <laughs> that neither of them like Thank yeah goodness it was not for Pat it was for Lisa Lisa <laughs> oh my gosh it's so funny no but also like I was thinking about that in terms of the friendship montage and what what would that friendship montage, A, would there be one between Francis and Benji? I don't know. Mm. And B, I mean, I guess it wasn't quite as long, so probably not. They're not the same person with different hair. Um, <laughs> but I love that line. But would there, what would the friendship montage between, like, Lev and Benji look like? You know, like, yeah. how would that feel different? Yeah. And, like, how would that, it would just not at all be the same. Yeah, know? no. More fedoras. So more more fedoras, fedoras <laughs> more, more motorcycles, more women floating through. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> More fedoras. Yeah, what can we say about the men in this movie? 
not good things. Not good things. <laughs> I feel like I can say that it does feel like how handling men are in your 20s. Like, it's very accurate to, like... It also feels like you see Ben uh, the afternoon where they eat the bagels... And then she's like, I have a whole plan for the day. I got to go to the bank. I got to yeah. do this, whatever. And they're like, oh, but, you know, why don't you have to have bagels? She's like, I can't. And, of cut course, you cut bagels. two. Cut two bagels, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then it's like Benji is writing his spec script for SNL. Yeah. And that's his big project oh, for yeah. the day. You know, because his friend, his, like, Nepo baby, whatever, yeah. connection, got him in to get his script submitted. And then they end up watching movies. And it's just kind of so funny the way that these men are just so floaty. Yeah. Like, they are, in my head, they are floaty. Sophie is a hustler. Yeah. And then Francis is just like trying. Yeah. You know? She really and those are kind is. of our categories yeah. of lifestyle in this film. And the men are so it's not just a you know, Sophie comes in and she's like, You can only have this apartment. Or no, she said, You can only be an artist in New York if you're rich. Yeah. That's her line when she talks about the rich yeah. boy apartment. But like you can also maybe only be an artist in New York if you're rich and male. You yeah. know? Like what yeah. does that mean? And that these guys just kind of just float through, make their bagels, yeah. and then they're like, can we get a maid for $400? And she's like, I'm poor. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean? You're not poor. There's poor people. That's offensive to poor people. <laughs> you know, no, he that says that. go crazy. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but then, so and then gross. we also have then kind of, but building off what you were saying with so Sophie's comment about artists, but then we have like Greta, who is an artist in New York and who is poor. Like, she yes. and she's, is trying, because obviously there's so yeah. many things that you know, she can't do because of that or she doesn't have the opportunities to kind of expand, you know, what her creative, you know, side to her more. Men are so comfortable. They're so They're so comfortable. (laughs) And I have so many questions about, like, the women they bring in. Yeah. Like, are they also part of that, like, artist? It's giving. Like, artist? Bohemian? Or are they... You know, poly, they're polyamorous. But then it's so funny, they, like, she makes them eggs, that one scene. <laughs> she, she's like, oh, we have this egg. She's like, wait. And then she shoves them up eggs, and then they're like, do us a dance. Yeah. she does, like, a little dance for and them. Like, yes, yes. And then they tell her to walk alone to the subway. Oh, my And God. I was like, I'm writing that down because fuck them. I fuck hated them. that. I yeah. didn't pick up on that until my most recent rewatch. Yeah. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, they're just saying goodbye. It's like an awkward, I thought it was an awkward exit the first time I watched it. Yeah. And then I was like, no, it is late at night. And they were telling her how to get to the subway around the corner alone. Yeah. Like, it's because she's it's expecting something. She's like, she's I'd waiting. fucking dance for you guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. Literally, literally dance. Or let me like sleep on your couch or something. Yeah. And they're like, um, okay, uh, L train is down. <laughs> literally. The bridge. And it's like, what is wrong Ugh, with they're you? They're horrible. <laughs> they are horrible. Do we think Benji and Francis have a little moment? Like, what do we think's going on there? I that's think in the that's Wikipedia the, plot. Like, summary. he's into yeah. her, but do we think that that like comes to fruition is my question. I don't think it does. I, I think she's think in her does. she's in her dancing moment. Yeah. She does not need him at all. She does not, unless she needs her muse. That's also what's interesting about the way that Francis treats the men in this universe. Yeah. Is like, she has this boyfriend, but she's so blasé about it. Yeah. And then once she loses the boyfriend, she's still so blasé about it. And yeah. she goes to this party with these guys. And she goes out with Lev on like a pseudo date. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> also blasé about it. Like, she is so not caught up in the men. Yeah. Like, she's like, maybe I should have a boyfriend. But she's just so... And I kind of love that. I like, do I love, love it. that for her. Like, there's other things to worry about. She's, like, yeah, I, getting your girlfriend Sophie back. Getting right. your girlfriend Sophie back. Right. 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 Oh, but just facts. that, like, I, and especially <laughs> speaking to experiences of dating men and trying to be a writer. I don't know. Like, you can't be getting into my like creative side of me like yeah. that. And they do can be because they can be really exhausting to date. And I feel like, like for Francis 
she can kind of maybe see through that or just like doesn't feel the need to get caught up in something that is going to kind of take time away from her. It's so you know, interesting because I feel like with her girlfriend Sophie, yeah, she totally lets her she totally lets her like seep into yeah. everything. But with yeah. the men, she doesn't. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no, that's definitely. And super they're like also yeah, they're also like super aware. Like I think at one point when she's talking with Sophie, she's like, oh yeah, well love didn't like laugh at any of my jokes. Like, and I was like, <laughs> and then the, like Sophie's like, but you're so funny and like yeah. And I was just like, true. That's because like, <laughs> sometimes they don't laugh at any of the jokes, no. and like they just don't know you. you yeah, know? yeah. It's also this. Pe- I love those people that you have that language with, you have that humor with. Yeah, like that you just share that, and it's so. You're obviously gonna laugh because the yeah. other person's hilarious. You know, <laughs> as are you. In this universe, you are so funny. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I think we're kind of getting to the end now. Do we want? I think we usually try to end on a question. The question, I guess, is, like, this theme has two major components, at least in my mind, of, like, the relationships and the friendships that you have and how much they give to you and how much they take from you. And then also the creativity and authenticity that we see with Frances mm-hmm. and kind of her running through the streets. And kind of, Bella, like, what you were saying about how this, like, you don't want people infringing on that. And mm-hmm. so where do those friendships, be it Sophie or Lev or Benji, and where's that creative, authentic output? Where can they mesh well and where do they have friction? Yeah. How do we see that? I, it makes me think, I always think one of my friends who is also my roommate, and I remember there was just kind of, I think it was a time that I just recently come out, and she talks about how different it is to be in a relationship with a woman versus being in a relationship with a man, and that doesn't necessarily relate to this conversation, but she does say, like, you know, there's there's this feeling about, like, dating a woman where it feels like you're, nothing's being taken from you, you feel Mm -hmm. like you're giving, um, versus when you're dating a man, it, it feels like you you there's a lot of give from your part, but then it's because they're kind of taking it from you. So like I feel like, it, and so then in my experience with dating men, it does feel like I, I'm they're taking a lot from me because I'm so unable to create and like do anything for myself outside of like you know I guess what they are wanting out of the situation. And so I think that goes the same with friends and with family. Like I feeling like the relationship. Is about giving each other, you know, just like giving parts of each other totally. and going like, huh, this is something about me and being like, oh, that's beautiful. Here's something about me. And like, I don't know, and less about trying to kind of extract something out of it, trying to extract like sex or validation or affection or things like that and kind of just like exist. <laughs> totally. I also, when you were speaking, it made me think about like Sophie as a taker also. Like yeah. the men are takers maybe, yeah. but also like Sophie in this film is very much like, Taking She's a taker. from, from Francis, yeah. and Francis is giving all of that affection yeah. and attention. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's super interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I'm still trying to figure out the role of like romance in my life because it's obviously like something I long for, or, like yearn for, Yearning. as they say. <laughs> and it feels like it must be this like fundamental part of life. And therefore, like, be fulfilling because it's what everyone's, like, mm. moving towards. And it has yet to, like, feel that way fully for me. I know I always, like, or often underestimate how much, like, friendships mean. Because, like, yeah. I'll, yeah. when I'm upset or when I'm sad or wanting to work, I'll just, like, hole up by myself and be like, don't, don't talk to me until I'm a normal person again. Mm. And I'll be, like, I'll be better then. And I think, <laughs> like, 
I don't know. I think once I spend a little bit of time with my friends, even like by accident while like making a sandwich or an omelet or something, and like <laughs> I'm accosted by friends in the kitchen, yeah. I'll realize like, wow, I feel so much better after yeah. interacting with my friends. And it's really not like a, a give and take scenario. It's just this beautiful like existing together in the same yeah. room. And you just, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's any transfer of energies. I think yeah. it's just like, I love that. A sea of energy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, also, like, we started the pod with Bella. You were talking about how, like, you're just making self-dates. And, like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's so literally. epic, though. And, like, may we all be so whole in ourselves that yeah. we, like, just have our own self-date yeah. at the museum. Literally. Perhaps with weed, perhaps not. Perhaps with weed, perhaps not. <laughs> I recommend weed. <laughs> <laughs> Your recommendation. Uh, I do. Yeah. No, I think about this also in terms of, like, yeah. creative output. Like, who are the people that are inspiring you and yeah. energizing you? And, like, m- those people helping you create your little dance that's full of mistakes you know and that's so awesome I have a lot of thoughts in terms of like I think society definitely paints a picture of you know there's some joy that's inaccessible to you as a single person that's only accessible to you as someone in a relationship a non-platonic relationship but I think that's just not true yeah and I think the more we internalize that the worse we're off you know like we're so much better off to remember that like people say like oh wouldn't this be so much fun on a date it's like, well, why are you having just as much fun not? Yeah. You know, it's so awesome here. Yeah. It's so great. And, like, also, like, with your girlfriends, you know, or whatever friends, you know, just non-platonic friends, then, like, these relationships, this the first montage sequence is so epic. Like, yeah. what is better than that? I want to smoke on the was. balcony and talk about, like, how I wouldn't eat a puppy, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> I want that. To do my to do my Pilates while someone's eating their chips across yeah. from me. Like, that's what I want. To read them my, my book quotes. Um, yeah. But I think that's so epic. And I think also, you know, being picky about your friends and Mm -hmm. bringing in the people that are awesome and epic for you. So, yeah, I love this movie so much because it's really hard not to talk about things like that, like having to find a question (laughs) for it. It's like, oh, we have to we have to be intimate. (laughs) We have have to tear into that and figure that out and what that means for us. But. Yeah, so I think that kind of ends it for today. Lila, thank you so much for coming. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to be here and to talk about this amazing film. (laughs) Please, again, read, um, I think your Succession article is on. Yes. Yes. Um, Shiv or be shiv. Shiv or be shiv. (laughs) I love that. Beautiful. I would love to have you come on and we can talk about it again. Yeah, for sure. Um, Perhaps a Barbie article. Perhaps. Oh, my God. Maybe more Greta. Guys, I I can't get into it, but there will be a Greta. Oh, yeah. I'm going to send you, because I wrote a mini, I do, like, mini, like, I haven't done this in forever, so I can't (laughs) say I do it, but I had, like, (laughs) little media newsletters I did over the summer and when I did watch Barbie I wrote most of that like in my newsletter yes so So bottoms article dropping probably first but then a Barbie article after so great thank you guys so much yeah and thank you and thank you guys for listening I hope you enjoyed we'll talk to you soon bye so what are you here for